Without this moon, we'll perish. But if we don't destroy it, the folks on Mixtus 3 will perish. I know. It's an impossible problem. Well, we're Starfleet. Figuring out impossible problems is what we do, so let's just keep calm and uh, try to think of a solution. No! If you blow up that moon, you're murderers! Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and with me in the away team are... Dinah McPhail. Max. Adam Bowen. Emily bowen Marler, And bringing up Lord X, Rudika Speaker. <laughs> Strange New Takes is a brand new Star Trek themed podcast. We are eventually going to be covering Strange New Worlds, but with so many new Trek things happening, uh, we're just going to jump in a little early with Lower Decks. Today, today, we are super, super excited to bring you our strange new takes. Um, I am specifically um, getting ahead of myself. <laughs> only, really, only Rudy. <laughs> really like this episode. <laughs> but, but before we get there, we want to encourage you to follow us on social media, Strange New Takes, that is at the rate Strange New Takes on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, make sure to tell your friends to listen to us. We super love getting strange new listeners from all over the world, and your recommendations will get us there. And speaking of recommendations, don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That makes sure that people can find us and they know that we will be amazing. And just a heads up, this podcast, and literally all of our podcasts, will include spoilers for the episode we're discussing and possibly other episodes of Star Trek and Star Trek lore. If that's going to bother you, go ahead and stop listening. Or if you don't care, just keep on listening. All right, let's jump in, Doc, about the fifth episode of Star Trek Lower Decks, Cupid's Errant Arrow. I had to think about that to enunciate properly. Mm -hmm. Say that written, five times fast. Right? <laughs> I will not. I will not try. <laughs> it is It is written by Ben Joseph, directed by Kim Arndt, and the in-universe date start date is 57601.3-2380. And here is a summary, mostly from uh, Memory Alpha, but with a little bit of an addition from the starting uh, take as well. The Cerritos is in orbit around Mixtus III to assist in a controlled demolition of an unstable moon. Mariner suspicious of Boimler's new girlfriend. Dendi and Rutherford grow jealous of a bigger starship's gear. All right. Mm -hmm. Nailed it. It's time for our strange new takes. Who wants to go first? I'll do it. Uh, so my strange new take, I started out thinking that jealousy was kind of going to be the through line for this episode. But I think more than anything, the through line for this episode was that everyone was putting their own needs in front of other people's needs. And that was the theme. Mm. I'm willing to discuss. We can fight about it later. Mm. Sure. Yeah, let's, uh, let's <laughs> jump into that in a second. Okay, okay. Who wants to go next? I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of like a pregnant pause at the very beginning of the episode. We're like, yeah, where is the rhythm? What is going to happen? we got to keep, keep the suspense rolling. Yeah, that's yeah. right. My strange new take is that Captain Freeman is actually a diplomatic badass. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right, Adam. Uh, so I, I think my strange new take is that just this episode, 
I don't even know if this is a strange new take. It's pretty obvious, but the the episode is just chock full of references to absolutely everything. Yes. And I, I just I just uh, loved like immersing myself in this just like full on Star Trek everything. So it it was it was a blast. Nice. Yep. Um, and for me, in 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 becoming extremely um, agitated with the previous episode and trying to look for plot holes. I couldn't find too many here. I don't think I found any. I really like this episode. Um, so that's that's my strange new take. Um, there's so many good things to talk about. I'm excited to get into this. Yes. I will say In that mine, I... Oh, go ahead, Max. Just just real briefly here is is that uh, it seems like all of the ships in the series kind of look the same. I don't mm. know when the, the Nebula class sort of set up with the nacelles below the saucer section became uh, standard. And I, I want to know more about what's going on with that. I don't know what you're talking about, Max. Uh, the Vancouver is nothing at all. Like <laughs> <laughs> totally different ships. Yeah, yeah, it's so different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit disgusted. Call <laughs> yourself a real fan. Get out of yeah. here. You know, I'm, I'm going to pick up on what you just said, Diana, about real fans. Because I feel like this is the episode that makes me feel like such a milquetoast nobody in Star Trek. Because, like, again... All of these references, I got like two of them. <laughs> I knew they were references, and I was like, "That that means something." Oh God! <laughs> and I just didn't know so much stuff. It, it's just I, I want to meet the person that gets everything in this episode because they they're probably like a walking memory alpha. I think it's, it's probably great. that guy who always yeah. beats us at trivia. Do you trivia. remember the guy at Star Trek <laughs> trivia notch? Yes, uh, he's a team of one and he beats everyone all the time. He rolls in there by himself and wins every single time Man, Star Trek trivia happens. So I, I think superior. he gets the references. <laughs> Shout out to TC Trek Trivia, which is Twin Cities Trek Trivia in Minneapolis, uh, run by some great group folks who have, I think, been doing Zoom calls actually with, with DC oh. Trek Trivia. So if you're in the Twin Cities area, Look him up so on Facebook. You can lose that one guy over you, Zoom. Right. You just, just that third and second place. I think they used to also give a prize for last place, which I have won once. So <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, all right. Uh, let, let's let's move into talking about in-depth episode discussion. We always start with story and writing. So let's go there. Diana, you had a point to make about that. Yeah. So I'm uh, looking at the episode title, I was kind of like, oh, there's love here. Maybe the love is the whole theme. Like everyone falls in love or something happens where there's like sci-fi love situations, you know, like um, a spacey sort of curse or something. Um, but so when you got into it, it obviously it was really clear that the people in the Cerritos were really jealous of the, the Vancouver, either physically or people who were on the Vancouver or whatever. But as we got further into the episode, I kind of felt like, it was not so much of, like the jealousy part of relationships. It was more like every single character for better or for worse is putting their own needs above the person that they're most, fo the most focused on, you know, like a uh, Mariner who, you know, ultimately was right about <laughs> there being a parasite, but she was <laughs> definitely putting her own needs sort of to be right or, to, and also to protect Boimler, but without really thinking about Boimler's feelings in any real way. Like, it's kind of mean <laughs> to assume that your friend can't attract a really nice and successful and pretty person. Even, even though, when it's true. Even when it's true. Yeah. Like, it was kind of like, so there's absolutely no, like, maybe he is actually her type. She's like, no, that's, it's just impossible. And it ended up being true. But, like, that is definitely a part of it. And then Boimler definitely needed to feel like he was sexier and uh, really 
like charismatic versus Jet um, and put that over his relationship with Barb. Um, and then you have Tendi and Rutherford who had this great feeling of like needing to win over each other to in order to get this like super cool gadget toy. Um, and I think the only person really who didn't do that was actually Captain Freeman, which is Emily's point was like, Captain Freeman was like, no, I don't need to be right or I don't, I don't need to be like the captain of the best ship and the coolest, like uh, the coolest position, but I do need to make sure that this thing happens because otherwise people's lives will be so like her, she is the exception mm-hmm. to the rule I think of the rest of the episode where everyone else is sort of like really doubling down on what they want and what they need and what they think and not really listening to other people so that, that's my that's my take my soapbox yeah it's it's you know I, I did not get that myself when I was watching it but now that you put it it like you lay it out there I can see that that, that is the point at which they started from and you know, I there, there's also all of those aliens and their various yeah, you know exactly. spe- specific right. needs mm-hmm. that they're all putting out there. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's it is kind of the running theme. I will say, I I with the story and writing, I mean, I'll spoil my rating a little bit. I thought this is amazing. Again, like like probably all of you did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do wonder though that if you're not a Star Trek fan. Mm. how much of this episode just flies straight over your head yeah because i mean again though i i feel like some of the references that even i didn't understand i knew that they were references so maybe this is one of those things that like is an entry Mm -hmm. uh, a gateway drug to memory alpha for new trek fans (laughs) like i don't know (laughs) are you you pushing memory alpha on us right now is that sort of where (laughs) yeah if you actually break down the episode and and go very slowly frame by frame uh memory alpha is spelled out so so that i think that is the one thing that i was like "Hmm, i don't know but there but i feel like you know within the themes that you've picked up you know within each storyline there's such relatable stories right like we've Mm -hmm. uh we've seen them in other media so it's not like this is this is a brand new kind of philosophical story from next generation or something that you need to like truly understand all the references to get you know this story. You've seen it mm-hmm. in like a million other episodes of television at mm-hmm. large. Right, well, we saw exactly. it Next Generation because it was Deja Q. That's right. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, it was the, yep. the where the moon was the losing its orbit. It was going to mm-hmm. crash into the planet. And so anyway, because I watched it, I was like, this is a TNG episode. And I could imagine <laughs> the aliens that are in that episode. I had to look up the actual title of the episode before we started. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, not no, I think true. I think I think you've got onto something there. I think the... The fact that they're going—I mean, they're going going to animate it, right? There, there is an attempt to widen the audience, right? I think they're trying to reach out um, to a more casual audience. And sometimes, when we feel that the plot hasn't been quite well done because it's it's like you know built from scratch, um, that's when we feel that there's no um, references to the past, and it becomes hard. Uh, for the writers, but at the same time, when they go go to the other extreme, which is like pack it with track references, um, then then it's um, then you know, for example, we feel does this does this fly by people who are more casual watchers? But I'll just I'll just quote uh, something that I think we all caught um, the Kirk Sunday with the Trip Tucker uh, sprinkles. Right? <laughs> yeah. so, so everybody knows Kirk, right? If you if you've clicked on to watch a Star Trek podcast, you know who Kirk is. Well, maybe you then try and find out 
who the heck took Tucker is and you sort of <laughs> make your way to memory alpha, right? Mm-hmm. And start watching Enterprise. I don't know. So I'm hoping they find that balance. I, I know this show is, I mean, I feel this show is an outreach to, to widen the audience, right? Uh, to make it more casual, not so serious. So um, I'm, I'm seeing that, that, you know, that modulation, um, they're trying to get it right or balance it out. Um, but what do you guys think? Whenever, I feel like whenever there's, a question about, you know, do do you think new fans would be able to understand this episode? I think of uh, like all the Disney movies or Simpsons episodes that I watched when I was a kid and there's in, in, like individual jokes or references that I definitely did not understand mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. a child. But like, do I understand the whole storyline? Like, absolutely. Like, I can t- definitely tell you the storylines of a lot of the episodes that we've watched even recently from the Simpsons where I've been like, oh, didn't register that joke. That joke was inappropriate when I was eight years old, like that kind of thing. Um so I think it's probably the same here, right? Like there, if you can understand, like Notch said, if you can understand the whole storyline, does it matter if you don't understand an individual reference, which is one part, one line of a story? Or even like sort of how this storyline is reflected in a TNG episode, can you understand this particular storyline without knowing Deja Q? Like if the answer is yeah, then they're doing their job right. And I feel like that's kind of where this is, right? Where you... No, understanding the references was really fun and it made it more fun for me, but it didn't say, it didn't mean that like there was no way I could have had fun without understanding those references. If that makes sense. That's, that's my take on it, but yeah, I, I guess uh, I'm wondering if, does anyone have a more than theoretical uh, guess as to how this is going? Cause like personally, I don't know anyone who is not a Star Trek fan and who is also watching these episodes that I can like talk to. <laughs> so I, I convinced my boss to watch the first episode. And I believe what he said was he watched it uh, on his second screen, maybe while playing something uh, at the same time. <laughs> so I don't know that that's quite the way you're supposed to watch these episodes. Yeah. But his sense was that uh, a lot of it went over his head and he didn't quite see... Uh, I, I guess yeah. the what was good about it, but mm. I, he seems like a bad audience member. So I, <laughs> I, I want to have more than a single person. Uh, and maybe this is uh, if we're wanting to uh, get ourselves up on podcast discovery lists and whatnot. Uh, if you set tell us uh, about someone mm-hmm. that you know who uh, is. Uh, watching this show but has never seen star trek ever before <laughs> like maybe that's a thing you should tell us about and we'd love to hear about it oh yeah Doesn't let us know well, i was thinking on instagram because <laughs> my so uh my husband is he watches star trek because i made him watch star trek <laughs> and um same with my wife wow that's a <laughs> yeah. so um family tradition <laughs> so he but so he has seen you know most of um He's seen most of TNG, DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise. We may have skipped a few episodes, but he's seen most of them, but not not to the degree, right? He's seen mm-hmm. them one time, and I've seen them multiple times. Um, and so, but he so he's not going to get all of the references that they're that they're throwing down, but he seems to enjoy it, you know. So he would be kind of a middle of the road. So yeah, it would be interesting for those who really don't just haven't watched it at all. Yeah, I'm interested yeah. to see how many of my students this year watch or don't watch Lower Decks because that could be like, especially in eighth grade, I think mm-hmm. that's sort of right up their alley. Mm-hmm. So we'll is it is yeah. it unethical if we require them to uh, watch <laughs> Lower Decks and and uh, sort of uh, peer review def- group this stuff for us? I don't think so. I think you know media literacy is very important right now, and yeah, you know, obviously I care more about Lower Decks than I do about other forms of media. So it's fine. <laughs> there, there, there we go. It's a perfect, it's perfect beautiful. fit. Yes. <laughs> 
So, uh, Max, I, I got a question for you, because in, in some of our previous episodes, we've talked about how some of them haven't focused on a particular character, because this is a shorter format than, say, TNG or, or something else. And in this episode, we got a lot of characters getting a lot of time. And I want to know if that worked for you. Did you feel like they they did, they gave all of their different people a fair shake yeah i i would say so i mean i mean i think the uh that aspect of the story was sort of the the strongest part of the episode um i think we did see you know characters interacting in a way that felt human that mm-hmm. felt natural that felt you know sort of the way you you would expect this situation to play out obviously with some some hijinks thrown in there um in terms of you know story and writing for this episode i think the the piece that i found myself maybe being a little more critical of was um kind of the other arc that we had about this moon getting resettled and and kind of the aliens involved there and um i just feel like so far in the series we haven't really seen very interesting aliens. They all kind of come across as these like one note civilizations. They tend to be like pretty primitive um, and they all seem to have like some kind of um, sort of defining religious belief, like they worship <laughs> crystals or they worship a moon or, you know, whatever it might be. And I, I, I'm just wanting, I think, a little bit more depth maybe in some mm-hmm. of these encounters, some of these planets that they're going to uh, moving forward. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I, I for me that it I, I'm okay with that in this show so far because it, it feels like that's also kind of the point like they're they're on purpose <laughs> making them the crystal aliens and uh, the, I, I guess uh, we can get into this more when uh, discovery takes us a thousand years into the future uh, on October fifteenth mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, and so I that is a criticism that I will be a hundred percent leveling at discovery Mm. but i don't know that i am too worried about it with uh with lower decks at at least at the moment for me it it feels like it's still funny Mm -hmm. uh it it, i I can see it getting stale into season two or whatever but uh we have at least seen uh the was it a federation planet that uh uh we chased the klingon around uh through the different districts and that that was nice at least to see Mm. like there like when you have a uh federation outpost like there is a little chronos and uh the other districts but like yeah i i, I mean I, totally. I i get i get your your point about sci-fi sort of in general and like storytelling in general uh but yeah you know I think, and I think that that planet that you're talking about um really got my hopes up because mm-hmm. I agree I thought that yeah, was sure. super cool to see you know I, I've always kind of wondered as a star you know longtime Star Trek fan what does a, a Federation planet actually look like with all of these different different civilizations coexisting and we got to see that mm-hmm. you know in in a more fully yeah, realized a way um but I feel like yeah since then I, I've kind of been missing um some mm-hmm. of that um you know, being shown something new about the the Star Trek universe. Well, that's fair. Let's let's move into talking about specific characters and what we learned about them in this episode, which is, I mean, it's it is. <laughs> I'm looking at our notes, and they are very long. Because <laughs> because um, there was just so much, and at the top mm-hmm. of the list, I think, is the fact that Mr. Brad Boimler's first name is Bradward. It's. I mean, it could not be Perfect anything choice. but Bradward. Honestly, I agree. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's no nothing else it could be. Bradley? Is, no. 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 Is that like an actual name? I haven't actually looked. 
I don't. Does I don't think so. Bradward exist. <laughs> I mean, it could be in that realm of like millennial Instagram parents who have created a name out of two different other names and like put it like Michaela. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the Michaela's of the world. I apologize to you. But like taking two halves of a different name and putting them together. But I don't think it's a real. As far as I know, I don't think, I don't think it's a real name. You gotta do push-ups. <laughs> that was like I like lost my mind at that, and it was like such a throwaway moment. I'm like, <laughs> right? Um, and he wears a boy's size small. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, this goes to the like whole Boimler is maybe like not quite human theory <laughs> because you know if he's, if he's a boy size small uh, but um i, I will he also has dainty uh, hips right mm-hmm. he was like, oh there's dainty, one of his best dainty features something yeah. hips though it's dainty like oh man i don't even know but i mm. oh a dainty hipped nugget dainty hip nugget that's yeah. what it was and he's also he's mousy sweet and small uh, <laughs> i made sure to write that one down too <laughs> adam you so had speculated good. that he was a sung type android at one point yeah, so oh. so I, I i will at least uh uh give a caveat of i slept I didn't take that seriously when I uh, said it, uh, but uh, this, yeah, this definitely put a nail in the coffin of like, no one in that room was a Soong type android, unless <laughs> uh, the Kapalian androids are uh, just so advanced that they are yeah. not destroyed by like the android equivalent of the brown noise. You know, he did react though. Like I know I didn't notice the first time, but the second time I watched it, mm. he did react in a strange, not, uh, not, I mean, I, I also wrote mm. down that disproved the Android theory that you had, mm-hmm. but, but he did react in a certain way that seemed a little like, mm, you know, well, let's, yeah. let's bring it, let's bring it on. He's 100% guaranteed an Android. <laughs> uh, after looking through frame by frame, we have determined that this is the truth. This is the deep, the deep portion. <laughs> the deep conspiracy portion. He does seem like a guy who hasn't been in a lot of relationships. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, definitely. I think... I don't know. I think the, one of the best things about this show about his characterization is just that he is hopeless and he's like super cool with being truly hopeless. Like when we talk, <laughs> talk about the, like the, the productivity episode, which I don't remember which one that was. Is that Moist Vessel? Uh, no, no. That temporal was Temporal Edict. Temporal Edict. No, okay, Temporal Edict. So that one was just him just being like, I don't know. He's just, I lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? Um, but I think he's just... He's very, yeah, he's just a very strange person who doesn't care about what other people think about him in a way that is sort of like teetering on the edge of like embracing total shunning from the rest of all people ever. You know what I mean? Like he's very cool with not caring that other people think he's uncool. Unless yeah, it has to do with sex, in which case he's very uncool with it. But, but I mean... Don't you think his misgivings are so understandable, right? Totally. Like he's, it, 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 the, the way they just developed him, it, it goes back to again, um, what is is Lord X trying to reach out to more people? And the, I think one of the best ways to do that is is through humor, right? Like mm-hmm. when we're talking about our spouses who don't watch Trek, but you know, come do do, do drive bys and listen to stuff. Uh, my wife. Um, she gets the jokes, right? That's the part that that she likes. So Boimler epitomizes that, right? Like mm-hmm. I think him and Mariner, obviously they are the primary characters. They they epitomize 
um, the comedy behind this. I think I think that's good, and and th- they're going to continue to develop uh, that aspect of Boimler. So, um, I actually feel that I see a lot of Boimler in me. So I don't know about the relationship, <laughs> but, um, but but he's he's very honestly innocently um comical right so mm-hmm. it, it, it's not like an idiot kind of thing right so no yeah. definitely yeah no i agree win for boimler again this <laughs> <laughs> he's he's incapable of, of forming a complete sentence about sex you're not sex this is me sex time <laughs> <laughs> i think it's interesting actually thinking about this episode boimler is the only person who really loses in this episode you know because Mariner wins, she has a friend, and she's correct, mm-hmm. and she's right. The Captain Freeman obviously wins because she saves the day in terms of the the negotiations. Um, well, well, there's well, you're overlooking red alien, we just, right? Yeah, we the destroyed an entire guy. civilization in this episode of so. two people. Two people. <laughs> I know, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, like of all of the characters in this episode, Boimler is the only person who actually loses anything that yeah. he won't get back or who won't be able to like, you know, like he he loses that his understanding of himself as somebody who could actually be attractive to somebody who's very much more attractive and smarter and more successful than him. <laughs> and he never had that, right? He got that bug. So it was yeah, just, just like, just not, not only does he Terrible not have any, any uh, you know, like draw the charisma, but he definitely, like, back in time, he never had it to begin with. I'm, I'm going to use ha- that to move us, sorry, sorry to interrupt, to move us to Mariner, because I want to, I want to pick up on the fact that She's not affected by the pheromones. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to give you a couple of quotes to, to tee you off. She says, um, I, I try not to feel anything near Brad, <laughs> is one thing she says. Um, and, you know, I mean, Barbara is like very close to him, like giving him like deep sniffs at the beginning of the episode when oh, she yeah, like, feels right. attractive. So that. maybe yeah. Mariner just hasn't made it that close to him. But uh, I thought that was pretty interesting that 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 had no effect on her. Well, also didn't have any effect on Tendi or anybody else on the on the ship, re- conceivably that we could see, right? Like it only affected Barb, as far as we know. So Mariner's and, bunk Emily, is Emily, your your mic is off right now. I think. Let's be logical here. What it is is that it's the first uh, person that you encounter after um, you're infected with the parasite, mm, and then the mm-hmm. parasite is. You know, mm-hmm. setting pheromones specific to that person. So that's why Mariner gotcha. and Tandia yeah. and, and Rutherford, parasite. none of them are. <laughs> right, exactly, lover, exactly. Lover, 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 lover. All right. I think I, so for, for me, for Mariner, I'm so sorry. For me, I don't know. I like, I love Mariner. I feel like I, get, I come down really hard on Mariner. But I also think that she's like the coolest character. And therefore, I think there are times when the writing doesn't do her anything makes me more upset. I think that's sort of where this is coming from because I think she's a great character. And I think, again, we have this situation where she didn't need to be right in this episode. It was funnier that she was right, but it also mm. was very mean that she was right because the whole episode <laughs> she's like, you know, I, lo- I love you and you're my friend and I'll protect you from anything, but also you are incapable of having anybody like you ever. And like, <laughs> I, can't, I, won't even, I won't even believe it. I won't even like give it a, a, a moment to just see what happened. Like, she's just like, this person is a demon and will kill my friend and I can't have it. Um, and so like, I mean, it's funnier ultimately that she is correct, but it doesn't, she doesn't really need to be again. Like she mm-hmm. could be wrong. And again, it's just like, I think this is the fifth episode in a row where she's done nothing actually wrong. You know what I mean? And so I love her. I think she's funny. I think she's a great character. I think she has so much potential, but I don't think that it always, she always has to be right about everything all the time, which is sort of, again, fifth episode in a row. This is where we are. If that makes sense. You know? So yeah. that's kind of where I 
where I come off. But I do really, I do really like looking at back in her past and seeing her past experiences because we hadn't really seen like a a real flashback to yeah, yeah. the things that she's always, she's always like, I've seen so many things, I've done so much, so much stuff, I've been places, and you get to actually see an experience that she's had, and I thought that was a really cool look into her characterization as yeah. well, rather than, like, I just trust that you have seen it, rather than, like, I see that you have seen it. Yeah, and, and even down to, like, small small details of, like, it was great seeing a, a completely different haircut for oh, her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her hair is mm. dope, it's so cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> well, and did I, you I, catch that this is probably, like, this probably would have been, if you're looking at uniforms and the time reference mm. they made, this would have been, like, seventh season of TNG, oh, yeah. like, second mm-hmm. season of DS9. Well, they, they specifically kind of... mentioned uh, uh, Descent Part 1 and yeah, 2. Yeah, that's why, so that uh, yeah. would make it seventh season, or the beginning of seventh season. Yeah. But, um, and, but the uniforms, obviously, were the Deep Space Nine yeah. uniforms mm-hmm. uh, moving into Voyager. But, you know, so mm-hmm. it would be kind of in that time period. So she's been an ensign for, you know, so this is mm-hmm. supposed to be taking place short uh, place shortly after Nemesis, I think. Is that what? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that just kind of gives you an idea of how long she's been in this Mm -hmm. uh, rank. So I I did want to point out that with that flashback there, there was one explanation that I think kind of covers that, that aspect of the uniform in discontinuity, which is that maybe word just takes longer to reach people. And maybe they're just gossiping about things that happened to the enterprise a few years ago. So, so that might be one way to kind of explain away that uh, that inconsistency. Well, also, also wouldn't she, she wouldn't she start out as an ensign, obviously, and then she moved up in the ranks, and then she was busted back down to ensign, as far as I know, right? Know, yeah. So we ha- we know that yeah. there's some time period where she was an ensign when she started, and then some time period where she was then busted. So you don't yeah, know how long she was not an ensign, yeah. yeah. And she um, also, in that flashback, wasn't somebody who pulled out her phaser and started, like, getting in the fray, which is, right. you know, mm-hmm. this happens in the Cerritos now. She, you like, can froze and her friend her... died, and yeah, she screamed, right. and yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, so. and, and, and at least, like, from other shows, like, I don't, they've already kind of established that different ships can have different uniforms. Maybe it's just, like, based on when you were created uh, is when you're, when you get the uniform, uh, and then a switchover might happen on late, happen later, because we... Uh, so it, it could be that the keto got that uniform first mm-hmm. and then, uh, uh, because it shows up what, two, two or three years after, uh, uh, the end of TNG in, uh, Deep Space Nine that they switch over to the first contact mm-hmm. uniforms. Um, but I, I guess, uh, uh getting a, a, aside from the uniform talk, uh, something that I, I <laughs> just a character point about, uh, Mariner that I wanted to. Uh, bring up that I appreciated is that it was nice. I, I feel like a lot of other shows and probably a lot of other ways that they would have resolved a Star Trek <laughs> episode is uh, she's focusing on on Brad the whole time and trying to like protect him. And then the real the re- revelation at the end would be, oh my god, I'm in love with uh, Boimler. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I what I what I appreciated about this is that it's the revelation was, oh my god, I care about him so much that I'm willing to go to these crazy lengths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not, not a romantic sexual. thing right, at exactly. all. And, and I, I just, I, I really like that they're uh, trying to not go there. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe they they'll screw it up. up in the, yeah, but at least it seems like they're trying to not go there explicitly. Yeah. The buddy comedy works. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it probably explains, we we're trying to figure this out last time, right? She got demoted. She got put on this ship. Um, and she doesn't really want to be there, but when they were trying to get her out, was she mm-hmm. she wanted to stay back. But this is why she probably wants to stay back. She has a set of people that mm-hmm. um, she is really attached to, and, and she likes that. 
likes that. So yeah, I think ultimately that's sort of a mirror for what happens with Tendi and Rutherford to, in this episode too, right? Like they they have all these abilities and they can do other stuff and be in other ships that are like more you know glorious or do more interesting stuff or just like work better. I think this is this the first time in this season that we've gotten the note that the Cerritos is like not a good ship. Not only is it like not an important ship, but it's also like kind of a junk ship. Is, yeah, is, I think really so. Uh, yeah. And like specific mentions to it being kind of old. Yeah, like, uh, you can like, tell <laughs> by the way they like. There's always stains on things, oh, so I've yeah. noticed things like that. Yeah, they haven't specifically said it said out loud, but that's yeah. cool. That's really cool. So it's not just the ship. Sorry, not just the crew. It's the ship as well. I mean, because the intro sequence mm-hmm. has a lot of. I was trying to say that the intro sequence with the with the, with the Borg stuff, right? Like you guys were telling me that. Um, he was, you know, bugging away from a Borg fight. I was like, no, couldn't really tell. But I looked at it this time, and yeah, it got shot at, and then it left. It warped yeah. out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's and, then, and I love the way it got eclipsed by the Vancouver. Right, they're right mm. next to the big, um, the moon. And as soon as they're they're there in the intro sequence, they speak through it. It just gets completely eclipsed by the Vancouver. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's not not a top line ship. So, yeah. so finishing up with Mariner real quick, I'm just going to say she makes up authorization codes. She's not a rogue holodeck character. She's not a Breen infiltrator. So we know this stuff. Um, let's move on. You know, Diana, you mentioned Rutherford and Dendi. Let's talk mm-hmm. about them together. First of all, Rutherford, we finally saw him use his implant again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it makes him do work faster. I, if I had that, I'd just do it every time, right? I, it doesn't seem like there's a cost. I'll take and record video, which, uh, you know, yeah. it's kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think i trust rutherford with it if anybody's gonna have it yeah he's kind of wholesome um, yeah. we also know that the, the implant can override parts of his own higher consciousness right so it could potentially we could see that happen again in future episodes mm-hmm. i want to yeah. see mirror universe rutherford misusing his implant now oh we need a mirror universe episode oh. i really need that now i didn't i yeah. hadn't thought about it <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny how like I never needed a mirror in a universe episode on any other series of Star Trek, right, but on right, yeah. Lower Decks. Like, why Write, not? Writers, are you listening? Yeah. <laughs> we definitely always skip over yeah. mirror universe episodes in DS9 specifically. Yeah, like, nah, yeah nah. generally don't need yeah. it. Don't want it. But, uh, yeah, once the yeah. door is open to comedy, you know, hey, give me the mirror universe. Tendi <laughs> um, in this episode keeps up though. With mm-hmm. Rutherford's implant yeah. assisted. So, I mean, she is super smart. Totally. I feel like this this episode is the first experience for me of seeing it, like, the, the adventures of Tendi and Rutherford versus, like, the separate adventures, but, bung, like, mixed bungling of Tendi and Rutherford, where they're actually in something together, even if they're competing. Mm-hmm. Um, they work together really well, and it was a really good... It was a great episode to see Tendi being something other than emotionally needy. And seeing her be like really, you know, capable and confident and smart and leaning into what she wants and what she thinks and not really like so much worried about what other people think about her. And I really, really liked this view of Tendi because um, I think it's a good character note for her to have that she cares so much about what other people think about her. But at the same time, it she it, she can't just be that that one thing. Um, and Rutherford too, like Rutherford was so worried about making other people uncomfortable with his career change in the second episode that he was like well never mind just gonna um make like do everything to make to make sure that no one else is mad at me or this episode he was like no actually i want to stay in the cerritos and i'm willing to like 
steal someone, steal a new commanding officer's tablet, <laughs> um, and run away with it, and steal a bunch of like cool. I don't even remember what the machine is. T eighty eight. Thank you so much. T eighty eight to make that happen. And so it is actually a really cool uh, instance of growth for both of them as characters, which I really appreciated. I think I like, they, yeah, go sorry. ahead. I was just saying, going back to story writing a little bit, I like how they weaved the three different plots together. They were well-timed. It was mm-hmm. sort of like a loose hyperlink, but as the pace picked up for each one of them, right, with Freeman and then with Boimer and Tendi Rutherford, they were all accelerating. So you were always wondering, is there going to be a connect somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like, are they mm-hmm. all going to connect? So I like that part. And, and yeah, I liked, um, I liked the fact that they gave Tendi and Rutherford so much time. Um, and it's this whole bit about work-life balance, right? They, they mm. touched upon that strongly, right? Um, we always want that better job or that cooler um, mm. role or whatever, but um, there's stuff that we should be happy about with what we have. So I think that was a plug in there for the Cerritos. So they're trying mm-hmm. to get us um, to, to sort of, right? Like mm-hmm. the Cerritos, like it with all its flaws. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that piece. I mean, this also goes back yeah. to what you said about Mariner staying on the Cerritos because her right. friends are there. Rutherford and Dendi do the same thing. So maybe the real Star Trek assignment is the friends we made along the way. Mm. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you look back at things and you just realize the people right? that got brought you there. We're going we're gonna to take a quick break over here. We've got a lot more about this episode to cover. So stay with us. Brad, when a Starfleet relationship seems too good to be true, then red alert, man, it probably is. You think she's cheating on me? No, I think she's a secret alien who's going to eat you, or a Romulan spy, or a salt succubus, or an android, or a changeling, or one of those sexy people in rompers that murders you just for going on the grass. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. We're talking about Cupid's errant arrow. Hey, look at that. I did it again. I Nailed enunciated it. properly. <laughs> a very, very... One time uh, slowly. <laughs> thank you. Uh, a very, very... Uh, Original series episode name, in my opinion, mm-hmm. it sounds like it sounds yeah. very much like you know Babel One or yeah. like <laughs> oh, what was some other one? The Cage, you know, it's it's yeah. uh, it's got it's got that feel. But uh, we were we were talking about characters, so we can return to that. Uh, I want to talk about Captain Freeman and Commander Ransom, who surprisingly got a fair amount of time in an mm-hmm. episode filled with the Lord X characters. I liked it because yeah. we had, were talking, was it last week yeah. that we were talking about how disappointed we kind of were feeling in that character of Captain Freeman? Mm-hmm. Um, but she was awesome in this episode. So I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I agree. And yeah, it didn't so- feel like a reach. Like it told, because, you know, they made a reference two or three episodes ago. Uh, you know, she was supposed to be at that, um, the thing with Diplomatic, the Cardassians. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so clearly they've laid some groundwork for her to be a diplomat. Um, but mm. it's yeah. good. Well, and I, I can see, uh, like, we, we have at least had uh, some precedent of showing our our captains have, like, their particular specialty be something they're absolutely amazing at, mm-hmm. and, but then also contrasting it with things that they're pretty bad at. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I don't know that that happens so much with uh, Kirk, besides, like, maybe saying, like, oh, Spock was right in this episode or things like that. <laughs> what? Um, but uh, in, like, in... in uh, TNG, we have uh, Picard is absolutely awful with like relating to children or like <laughs> e- even just like some some sort some emotional things. And it, Picard super went into that uh, where he he's just he's he's not the person you want to talk to when you're having a bad time. Uh, no. <laughs> and uh, like Jane, we had had uh, several difficulties, but when she had like the t- the the chance to 
uh, do something science related. Like she was a badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it just, so yeah, it, it could be that Freeman is amazing diplomat, but just not like subpar on other things. But I think mm-hmm. that's okay. As long as we, we kind of keep highlighting it. I, I, I just, yeah, like we said, I, I didn't really appreciate the previous episode was just like, she's just shitty guys. She's a bad <laughs> like, <yeah>. yeah. <laughs> like that, that just didn't, I don't know. I wasn't into it. I think specifically in this episode, one of the things I picked up on was that she wanted to help that one dude Mm -hmm. at the end there. He was jumping up on the table yelling, murderer, genocider, (laughs) you know, you're awful, you're going to kill us all. And she didn't, you know, that that was not the point at which she was like, yeah, just blow it up, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see in a cartoon setting, that would have been an easy throwaway for a writer to be like, that's the moment. She snaps. Mm-hmm. But it's it's when she can finally like realize that she's not actually doing that much damage that this <laughs> dude is being unreasonable because he just redid the floors. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's when she says, okay, just do it. I think, it's, I think it's interesting that in a, an episode otherwise filled with characters who feel insecure and who don't feel up to snuff in some way that this is the episode where captain freeman feels very secure and feels like she can handle what's coming at her you know i think with with a uh, temporal edict or whatever that episode was where she was definitely overcompensating for how somebody um, viewed the cerritos and viewed her role and whether or not she could actually participate and um help in diplomatic position and then you know moist vessel was all over the place and kind of a nightmare but um with here she was very like in control and never doubted herself for a second and i thought that was a really cool again character moment that i thought was really again really really necessary like her her characterization and tendy's characterization i think especially in this episode really went leaps and bounds forward where there was actual like another facet to this character that we got a chance to see. And it made so much, it made me feel so much better about her as a captain. Not that she's perfect, but she's like good at a thing mm-hmm. and can be better at that thing. And I guess it makes sense that she would um, feel trapped on the Cerritos to a certain extent if she's so good at diplomacy. And this is where, like, this ship is the ship that she's on, where she doesn't really do a lot of diplomacy. It's a lot of like trade and forms mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. making sure that you're exchanging things. And so it's not quite the same level of intensity as this particular mission so i liked it i don't know what do you guys think about the reference to the prime directive where she said this is not um related to the prime directive and i initially thought it wasn't but in in so many ways it is so i I don't mean to deviate this podcast into well what is the prime directive and when do you interfere (laughs) and when you don't but so uh... like prime directive like is literally based on uh or the technicality i think that they're talking about is it's it's pre-warp cultures that we're not interfering with Mm -hmm. i think as long if someone is like not uh or like has warp drive you can do whatever the hell you want to them so uh (laughs) and that's the star trek way that's that's guaranteed it's a it is a good thing for us to intervene I like that interpretation Once... of it. Once you got warp drive, do whatever you want. Bets are off. Uh, the ones are coming off. We're going in. It's happening. It's yeah. all happening. Uh, okay, let's. Uh, I'll just note that Captain Ransom, we saw, uh, Commander Ransom, we saw being kind of a suck up again a few times, uh, but uh, that's nothing new. Uh, let's move into the expansion to the world of Trek that we got from this episode. Uh, we saw, we saw them blow up a moon. I don't know if y'all y'all got this visual reference, but I. I thought of Praxis from I did too. Oh, I have that written on here too. 
Yeah, like that's initially when they showed it, I, I, I thought they were back at Praxis and we were yeah. going to get some Klingons. Um, so I feel like there are some references tucked into other places where, they, where they're not meant to be explicit, but mm-hmm. they're visual gags. Um, the, there's also the, the, speaking of visual gags, the guy that uh, walks, that Mariner blames the the haircut, the, you, you know, so mm-hmm. Boiler spills the beer on Barb. Mariner walks up behind her, grabs her hair, and cuts it. And she goes, "Hey, why did you do that?" Mariner says, "Like, oh, yeah, yeah, why did you do that?" There's a person walking behind her. This person has three fingers and does what looks like the sarcastic Vulcan salute <laughs> as he walks away. So apparently, that's now become a thing. After yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you have three fingers, can you do anything but the Vulcan salute? Yeah, realistically, that's just that's all my life, <laughs> every day. <laughs> And and what what was your take on the the coolest outfit at this time? Like, <laughs> generate the clothes of all the coolest people. I mean, Simpson straight up again, but it was definitely Poochie D. Like that's all it was. was oh, the yes. Poochie character from uh, Itchy and Scratchy. Like that's. I feel like that's oh exactly God, yes. that's yes. what it was. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and just as effective here as it was there. And loved it. <laughs> well, I think I think too. You know, as as someone, and I think you guys can probably relate to this, but as someone who started watching Star Trek when I was pretty young, I mean, this is honestly the kind of crap that I wanted to do with the replicators. <laughs> you know, it's like I always caught myself thinking as a kid. Like, why aren't they doing stuff like this? You have the power to do this. Come on. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, we also saw the USS Kido in the flashback. It is a Olympic-class starship. Uh, the first one we've seen since All Good Things, the final mm-hmm. episode of Star Trek mm-hmm. Generation. And we got everyone's favorite space station back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. It was, it was the, the, the Kido was docked at Deep Space Nine. But I don't think that moment that we saw in the flashback was on Deep Space Nine. But uh, but we saw DS9, Tarek Noor. I'm so sad that I totally did not notice I that. Even, I didn't notice that. Yeah, you see the, all. what are they, the pylons? Or what yeah. Are they? Oh, the my. Pylons, yeah, the claws. I am a Regrets. poor DS9 fan. <laughs> that, that's supposedly my favorite uh, series. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the, that's what we're sort of talking about. There's so many details to keep up with that if we like look away from the screen for like a second, and it's like, yeah. well, that's a reference that I missed, yeah. which is fine at the end of it. But if we're talking about it, I'm like, damn it, I should definitely recognize DS9. <laughs> Did you oh, notice every ship has its own smell? So the Cerritos... Smell-o-vision. That's what we yeah, that's Cerritos what we smells made. like burnt uh, marshmallows. marshmallows. No, toasting marshmallows. Toast, sorry, it's toasting marshmallows. Smell. Excuse me. Uh, what do you think Deep Space Nine smells like? <laughs> oh, God. Scotch? No. Cool. It smells like Corks Corks bar. Corks yeah. Bar. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so beautiful. Uh, Barb, Barb Brinson... Uh, was a character we were introduced to, played by Jillian Jacobs, uh, oh. most mostly known these days for Community for her work on that show as Britta. Did not Britta it up in this episode. I thought her voice acting was really cool. Like I didn't actually see. This is the thing about some voice actors; they they show up and you're like, oh, that's that actor. It's that mm-hmm. like distinctive voice I recognize him. But I had to actually listen closely to figure out that this was Jillian Jacobs, hmm. and so I always appreciate it because to me that's the mark of a great voice actor is that you're able to portray somebody completely different. Well, like last week, did you all catch it was Haley Joel Osment? I didn't realize it until I was listening to another no. podcast. What? Yeah, he's the he was what? the guy that uh, he's the you know. Guy? Uh, the, yeah. What? Oh so now I need to go back and watch it again. He's now a koala and is oh one with everything. <laughs> 
I need to, but it I made need me want to wanna check the. It made me want to check yeah. the uh, cast list every week now to see yeah. who's doing voices. But a lot of times they don't list who's doing which voices. They mm. just have at least on IMDb. Mm-hmm. But I want to. I want to take a little quick aside since you mentioned Haley Joel Osment. Did y'all catch the um, Amazon pilot that? I don't think they greenlit it, but it's with him and the guy who plays uh, uh, the Stark who gets killed at the Red Wedding, uh, the, the king. Rob, Rob. Rob Stark? Rob, the guy who plays Rob Stark. <laughs> uh, they, they, they had an a, um, adaptation of a, uh, a novel, and now I'm doing a terrible job because I'm not actually telling you what it is. Right? I'm, I'm just <laughs> like, book, right? you know that thing that I'm giving you no details to identify? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, like, I'm no. just guessing it's the thing that you showed me, but that doesn't get any more specific. <laughs> right. This is what great podcasting is, is all yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. No, no visual <laughs> um, It was, uh, let's see here. I'm looking up his uh, Wikipedia entry. Oasis, that's right. Oasis, yeah. Yeah, it was. But yeah, it that was, was the thing you showed me. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a pilot episode for an intended series based on the Michael Faber novel, The Book of Strange New Things, and it's pretty interesting. And he, I th- I feel like that was the first time I'd seen Haley Joel Osment come back and do like serious acting in quite a while. But wasn't uh, he? So he was in the um, extremely shocking something something and vile the um, Ted Bundy biopic yes, thing. Yes, He's he like was. the the Baxter, like the second boyfriend of Ted Bundy's ex girlfriend character but he's he's there for like i think maybe like five to ten minutes in the movie and then he's like bye so yeah coming back as strong as Haley joel osmond right yeah yeah. looking at his wikipedia it looks like he was kind of in kind of fallow years between 2000 and like 2013 something his fields are becoming much more (laughs) fertile so that's why why they lie fallow (laughs) you know okay all right Um, getting back to barb brinson she has a fang that she does apparently and, but we didn't get to see it. Neither did Boimler. So here's the thing. I really like Barb as a character. But because Mariner was right about Boimler, how, or about there being a parasite, I don't know how much I can actually know about Barb because so much of it is based off of her and how she interacted with Boimler. And I, I don't know. I know she's smart. I know that she is capable. I know that she... It's friendly and like makes new friends and um, likes chatting with people. I, I, like, I know all those things, but I don't know much more about her because the things that we learned about her ultimately are like, oh, and by the way, she was intoxicated by uh, parasite pheromones. <laughs> so, you know, there's a little bit of a give and take there where mm-hmm. does, she, does she does she actually forgive? Her. Does she actually forgive? Uh, Boimler for being this like jealous type is she so understanding and so nice like we don't know we don't know yeah we know that we know that she's really interested in studying things and learning more about stuff and she focuses on her career and all those things are totally fine but like we don't know anything about her as a character specifically because so much of what we saw was her being Boimler's girlfriend and being kind of like the person who pays for Boimler being jealous. And well, and fair. also, did you notice, so when she, uh, she wanted to leave and Boimler was like, oh, I'll walk you. And she goes, I can walk myself. Just walk me. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like <laughs> what happened? Eh, yeah. No. <laughs> she's, she's having her hot girl summer is every yeah. summer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't have a tail. You know that. Uh, <laughs> she's, she's 100% human, apparently. So yeah. that's great. She uses the word jerko. Uh, 
that was that was a Brita move, I think. Uh, making its way to Star Trek. And but I think that one of the most interesting things is she could actually kick Mariner's ass. And Mariner is this like space badass who's mm-hmm. like, you know, did she all win that. the battle? Yeah. Did she, did she yeah. beat her up in the end? Okay. I thought okay. She's I about to like, like land her the with talk, right? Right, and Mariner's a, she's about to land the knockout blow on Mariner. She's got a punch cock to like finish mm-hmm. the fight, and uh, I, that was interesting. So she is, mm-hmm. she she's she knows kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay, okay, but uh, we've you've got uh, the USS Vancouver showed up. Mm-hmm. Max, you you notice the the cells are under the saucer. Oh, I did. <laughs> I spent a lot of time thinking about that during the episode. But um, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. It's a Parliament class ship, so it's a Canadian ship, Parliament. Mm. So, <laughs> on that note, just one one little thing I noticed also is that um, in the the mess hall scene mm-hmm. when they're sitting around and eating. Uh, everybody gets up and leaves. You can see the food left on the table and kind of front and center is a plate of poutine. And I was just thinking to myself, (laughs) like, what is going on here? The Canadians have infiltrated Starfleet. They're running the show now. Um, Kind of kind of an interesting little subplot going on. And that was on the Vancouver I think that was on the Vancouver. Well, I was yeah. going to say, but it's like on the California class ship, there's all these little California things sprinkled yeah. throughout. Yeah, so yeah. on the Vancouver, there's going to be a whole bunch of Canadian things. Right? <laughs> what, do you, also, what do you think replicator poutine tastes like? Do you think that's good? Who cares? Poutine. <laughs> yeah, it's poutine. Yeah. Cheese gravy. Come on. I wonder if the USS Vancouver has a real estate shortage because all the, the bunch of empty rooms that have been purchased by people on other ships. Oh, is that your real estate joke? Door. Is that the real estate corner? <laughs> are, you, are you whose uncle are you? <laughs> Vancouver, Vancouver. You know, it's it's uh, it's got a problem. Um, but uh, we also had the fact that they are everybody on the Vancouver is very epic. They do some really <laughs> epic shit, and I want to know who is the guy they shot who is worse than Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, like that reminded me of a there's like a I think it was a a movie that was going to be created, but they never ended up doing it uh, where I think Spock was supposed to ensure that JFK was killed. Uh, but, what? Uh, yeah, he already uh, was killed. Like, why do you have yeah, to go back and re-insure? I, I, uh, I, I looked it up a little bit, and it, it, it's, it, was, it involves the USS Enterprise, time-traveling Klingons, and the assassination of John F. Kennedy. I'm not entirely sure and about the... And then they made the one with the whales instead? Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. I, I oh think that God. was the better route to go. I don't know if we needed to... <laughs> Well, this makes Spock me think of the, or like the, the Voyager episode where at some point you have like Klingons fighting Nazis on the holodeck. Am I remembering that <laughs> right? But they were like, alien Nazis, weren't they? Alien well, uh, alien Nazis was Enterprise. I mean, maybe there's more. You may be thinking of the one with the Herogen. I think the Herogen did something with the holodeck and Nazis. Oh, there was yeah. that. Oh, there was yeah, aliens like the, love the French Nazis. resistance holiday yeah, program. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And yeah. then they lure people in there, and then the Klingon. Yeah, it's anyway. <laughs> One thing they, they also have um, a episode of the original series where they get to a Nazi planet. So, yes. Mm, yeah, because someone cool. looked in a storeroom and were like, we have all of these uniforms yeah. for all these Nazi epics. Can we right. make a Nazi you planet? You got your Nazi planet. You got your Roman planet. You got your space uh, Irish yeah, planet. Yeah. You got yeah. your... <laughs> 
They so, love the Irish planet in Star they, Trek. They, they sure do. <laughs> Max right. laughs at me every single time we watch anything that has to do with space Irish people. He always gives me <laughs> so much <laughs> <laughs> They also had a 1920s Chicago mobster oh, planet hell yeah, in, it in, oh. in yes. the original series, which is referenced in this episode because Barb mm-hmm. says they, tra- but she says they traveled back in time to 1920s Chicago. And I'm wondering if that's where they found the worse than Hitler guy. And probably and yeah. took him out so <laughs> anyway I think it's, I think it's funny because I think like we, we see again and again the idea of like different ships doing different things and different people on ships having different strengths and weaknesses right and so I think Rudy pointed out the idea of like the work-life balance and how some people are like super into that and really like don't need to do epic stuff don't need to be glorious don't need to like get all the credit um and then some people really 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 do and so Tendi and Rutherford like on purpose reject the idea of working for a glor- like a more glorious ship because they want to have their friends and they want to have that balance. Um, and if we think about like Ransom or Freeman or some other of the, the bridge officers on these like lower ships, you think about like them wanting to do more all the time, wanting to be in these glorious situations, even if they're not necessarily like cut out for it. So I think it's kind of that cool like characterization there that, that the, what you're willing to do for your uh, life in your career and what do you have to do as a captain versus like what do you get to do have to do as like an engineering lieutenant is very different they're very different things uh, i thought that, mm-hmm. i thought that was pretty cool there's also um a possible inverse ratio on if you if you um so if you go back to julian Bashir and why he first came to deep space nine right mm-hmm. you wanted something completely at the edge of um civilized space and so it wasn't it wasn't a great place to go to while you know the enterprise is also at the edge discovering new worlds but it's a flagship so um a little bit of a interesting contradiction there and mm-hmm. and maybe even from a career standpoint right the way you work your way up the ranks is you find um places where there's a lot of value to be added and and you go add that value and that's how you get known so I yeah. found that is a good connect to real life as well, right? And it took me back to Bashir and and, and totally, his, mm. yeah. That's cool. That reason to join Deep Space Nine. I love a good yeah. Bashir reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did meet uh, Lieutenant Commander Ron Emmanuel Dosent, who I heard as Ram Emmanuel <laughs> Dosent, a little bit different. Uh, junior to Ron Emmanuel Dosent Junior. He's played by character actor Matt Walsh, another person I have oh, to hey. look up, but like super recognizable once you look at his face. Uh, apparently, Docent is a professional. His grandma's neighbor was an admiral, a total psycho. <laughs> Don't you know who my grandmother's neighbor was? So <laughs> good. The <laughs> admiral. Or he doesn't. Admiral. Right? He <laughs> keeps saying the admiral? I don't know. Uh huh. Yeah. He's like, I'll tell <laughs> the, the admiral. <laughs> Probably the wears one. some like weird uh version of a TNG uniform, like all admirals do, apparently. <laughs> and. Uh, Dosen doesn't want to be epic anymore, so mm-hmm. someone who was That's epic awful. was Jet, who was the second coolest person on the Cerritos after Mariner, presumably. He <laughs> seems super cool. I would like to have more with Jet. Jet. But I think he's also just sort of thrown in as being like big and strong and tough and tall and like the person that you would be jealous of. So I'm kind of hoping that they didn't like just use him to be <laughs> a jealousy magnet, but they also probably might not use him again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you I, never I, know. I, it wouldn't be the worst thing if he just like never shows up as a I don't know I yeah mm-hmm. it was I thought that was a little awkward uh the the things that they emphasized about that character and they made him black and it's kind of like there's been a there's been a controversy in the soccer mm-hmm. world about how commentators whenever they see 
uh, black players talk yeah. about their strength, their vitality, mm-hmm. their like mm-hmm. uh, power. Yeah. When when they see white players, mm-hmm. they're talking about like technical skill and like your ability to move <laughs> the ball. And so right. it's it, it so had artistic. Little, uh, some uncomfortable overtones for me mm-hmm. to be honest mm-hmm. when he showed up. So, but you know. Kirk Sunday with Trump Tucker Sprinkles. I will go with that. That is pretty <laughs> yeah. great. And, I think uh, I think that's a really fair um, criticism, though. I think they're like, if you like, there are other ways of showing that somebody is the exact diametric opposite to Boimler <laughs> in every way than having him just be like physically completely different from him, including skin tone, skin color too. Like I don't know, or if you could also like have Jet just be a super cool dude who is really nice and not talk about how he's big and sexy all the time, might be helpful. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, um, I will. I will. In, in lighter news, I will reference the fact that Mariner has apparently watched Hamilton because she says no to this. Yeah, when true. when she walks in on <laughs> on uh, a naked Boimler, yeah. and so she does yeah. something Alexander Hamilton could not. Um, <laughs> yeah, Boimler Daphne Reynolds in this particular situation, right? right. <laughs> Leaving his magic spell. Right, we're gonna get the uh, the Boimler pamphlet. pamphlet? So, we already have the Boimler effect. We could might as well get the pamphlet. <laughs> um, yeah. Any any other little trivia bits or things you'll notice? Things you'll want to talk about? The Geordie Bear for Barb. Mm. Oh yeah. At yeah. the beginning. Geordie Duty. Yep. Um, I, this is this is the most overtly sexual episode we've had. <laughs> yeah, like when they were in the turbo lift trying to fit. Yeah. <laughs> like there are a lot of like like very like strong references to sex and sexuality mm-hmm. and um sexual maybe attraction and stuff maybe they should call this one moist vessel then maybe yeah. should. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh i also like the really? reference to the the door whoosh on the um they do the like the hands um yeah i i will uh also mention that in in the cerritos like uh lower decks uh locker area there's there's this dude who's always in a towel and, it, and I believe it's like three or four episodes now. He's been yeah. walking yeah. by, right? Right. Yeah. Well built dude. Yeah. In I this one, I think he's like dude. picking clothes or something. Um, <laughs> and maybe the, eventually we'll see him clothed. Yeah, right. Slowly, one step uh, at a time. Well, they also like they showed us how the lockers like come out of the wall and have mm-hmm. everyone's stuff organized. It's super badass. I like that. Um, I'm I'm gonna give you all a list of trivia real quick that I found on Den of Geek, and it's when Mariner says, "When a Starfleet relationship seems too good to be true, then red alert, it probably is." Launches into a litany of examples. Yes. <laughs> She's an alien who's going to eat you. Yeah. Uh, that they, they had one in in the Muse in Deep Space Nine or Romulan spy, mm-hmm. uh, referencing Tapel from the episode Data's Day. Or also um, Picard too. Picard. Yeah. Yeah. Agnes Gerardi, yeah. and uh, or Salt Succubus. This yes. is from the first episode aired of Star Trek ever, the Man, Man Trap. Trap. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And or an android. Original series Nurse Chapel falls in love with a secret android duplicate of her old boyfriend Roger Corby in the episode. What are little girls made of? Mm-hmm. Title. I don't like it. Weird episode. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. Uh-uh. Or a changeling. 
a lot of shapeshifter references all over mm-hmm. the place. Mm-hmm. Or one of those sexy people in rompers <laughs> who murder you just for the going Edo. on the there grass. Yes. <laughs> I, I can't it. believe it took this justice. long. To get to that quote. They've referenced justice, I feel like, a couple of times so already. So legendary episode. <laughs> <laughs> I remember what, speaking of sexuality, I remember watching that on TV be like, ooh, yeah, yeah, right. moment that of awakening, too. perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so just don't go on the grass, way. man. Just don't it go was. on the grass. <laughs> It was the jumpsuits. That's what it was. <laughs> oh, man. The Ado. Oh, funny stuff. But uh, yeah, um, let, let's let's talk about our strange new ratings for this mm. episode. Mm-hmm. I'm going to open up our strange new ratings spreadsheet where I collect all of your responses. Oh, you... I didn't realize that there was an official spreadsheet. It exists. Yep, yep. Oh, Accountability. Um, you, wow. can, you can also, if you, if you don't appear in an episode of this podcast, you can go and update your rating Ooh. in there if you so wish. This is but, the, the uh, podcast corner where we, we as the podcasters learn about things about the podcast that we did not already know. So, welcome. So, <laughs> um, yeah, what, what, who, wants to, who wants to stick their neck out, as I say, and give this episode a rating? Although I think with this one, it's probably a little less controversial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'll start. I'll start. So, um, going to be my highest rating yet, for sure. Um, liked the fact that there were no plot holes, liked the fact that they covered a bunch of characters, liked the fact that they was, there was a loose hyperlink and an upping of pace across all the storylines, um, kept up with whatever they did well before, which is the Boimler um, comedy, the, the understandable comedy. So I will go with uh, 100 T88s out of 10. No. Um, <laughs> 10 times perfection, baby. <laughs> I'll, I'll, go with, I'll go with a... It's the best one I've seen so far for LDS. So I'll go with 9 out of 10. And let's see if uh, others uh, do better. And then I'll have to go to decimals again. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think I'll, I'll, I'll go next. Uh, so you, you unfortunately took part of my rating out, out, out there. But uh, so my I, I am going to distinguish myself with a different number, slightly different mm. number. So that's uh, exciting. Prepare yourselves. Uh, this, this episode, I just... It hit so many marks for me. I, I just loved almost every part of it. Everything that I hated about the previous episode, loved about this episode. And uh, yeah, so it, it was just, it was great. Uh, I'm going to say uh, 9.5. I feel a little bit under, unoriginal now because I was going to say uh, 9.5 uh, uh, tricorders with the purple stripe out of uh, <laughs> 10 TI-88s. But uh, <laughs> maybe I'll change it to TI-83s because uh, those are a great calculator. Really excellent. <laughs> I'll jump in. Um, I am going to give this uh, nine sexy parasites Ooh. out of 10. Um, <laughs> I feel like, you know, just fundamentally, this was probably the most well-rounded mm-hmm. and the funniest episode so far. Um, you know, I think there are a couple sort of minor quibbles that, that we've talked about throughout the episode here today. But, you know, for the most part, this was really good. And I, I hope this is kind of what we see more of as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to do four and a half stars out of five because it is by and large, by far and away the the best episode I think we've seen, especially since the pilot. Um, but I mean, there's no real perfection, but I also feel like there are some some places where very minor places where things could have been slightly better. So room for that. But it was super fun. It was a really, really fun episode and I really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with 4.5 as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, I just, I felt like it was the best episode that followed the worst episode uh, so far. <laughs> yep. So, which I was really glad that I liked yeah. this episode because I didn't like last week's episode mm-hmm. very much, even though I still gave it a, you know, a middle grade just because I'm, I'm really a nice person and I can't, <laughs> I can't give really low ratings to things, but I also feel like- unless it's like black market from Battlestar Galactica, mm. that was the yep. worst episode <laughs> ever. <laughs> 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 and it's never referenced anyway. ever again. So. Ever again. <laughs> it didn't exist. Ugh, horrible. So but I also feel like, I don't know. I feel like, um, even the worst episode of this show is better than a lot of yeah. other bad episodes and other sure. Star Trek series. So like, oh, for sure. I oh, for sure, mean, for as sure. much as I didn't like it, the Moist Vessel, I wasn't like, this episode sucks and everything about it is terrible. I was like, this is not my favorite. And if I start to analyze it, I'm going to yeah, be upset. Have, so I'm just not going to analyze it. We you haven't hit a Sub Rosa yet. Yeah, well, and no. you just, I don't know how, because they do, because we're such Star Trek nerds and they throw so many references to other Star Trek episodes in in this show, I don't see how we'll ever actually have an episode that we hate yeah, because they're just so clever so at throwing much, yeah. in and peppering in all these references. Totally. That's fair. Someone just, uh, referenced something that I'm going to call the, the bill edict or the bill directive, which is again, don't think too much about star Trek. I feel like I need a sound effect for that, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to call it the bill directive from now on. Uh, I'm actually going to give this episode a 10 out of 10. Cause hey. I, I think even the Ooh. best episodes of TV have flaws. Mm. I think you, you, I have watched this episode three times and I, I'll be honest, the third time I was like, is that why I going to actually laugh at this? And I still found myself laughing and having a good time. <laughs> So I think this was a perfect 10. I mm. probably not the episode I will pull out when someone is like, show me something Star Trek. I'm not going to be like, here's <laughs> this. Uh, it'll still probably be like um, Darmok and Jalad or like something like that. Good question. Mm. Yeah. But mm, yeah. maybe maybe something that we do a podcast series yeah, on really after Lord next mm. time. Yeah. Which episode do you introduce new Trekkies with? So mm. to keep that in mind, remember also also in our shared folder is a is an idealist of series that we can do when there's no new Star Trek. So so mm-hmm. go put that in there and other ideas you may Which have. Which we're going to have new Star Trek basically through the end of the year, right? I think. Uh, yeah. 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 I think. I'm, nice. I'm excited for us to not have new Star Trek so that we can do some of these ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop it, guys. We've had enough. Like, it's too things. I don't like reviewing these things. Damn, Kurtzman giving us all this new Trek. Although, that is probably somebody actually unironically saying that on Reddit. Right probably now. Oh, on, on a YouTube channel right now. Too. Right. Like, yeah. Listen, I'm done with this. There's too much stuff and it's new and I hate it. I can't say no to this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, all right. On, 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 on that on that note, I'm going to thank Emily, Rudy, Dinah, Max, and Adam for joining me uh, on this on this episode. Thank you to you, our listener, for being here as well. We do appreciate that you listen. We would, as always, appreciate if you're able to uh, follow us on our social media at Strange New Takes and recommend the show in the conversations mm-hmm. you have online on social media at Reddit and other places so we get new listeners. Thanks to Jishnu Gua who made our theme music He's got a podcast called Geek Fruit that you can listen to. Give it a shot. And uh, I also I also want to say a, a heartfelt thank you to the pheromone parasite that gives hope to those of us luckless in love and uh, are able to know that no matter how terrible we are, that there's always a parasite out there who could help us, uh, at least for a little while, until it's pulled from our head by our best friend. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, thank you. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to Strange New Takes. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.